it. Ashley Marie. Sing, daughter. I will love you with all of my heart. I will bless you with all that's within me, oh Lord. Glorify your name. Give you all the praise for you are my God. Yes, I will. With all that's within me, I'll say, Lord. Right. Good morning. And again, thank God for all of you that are with us on the day. This is the day that the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Again, praise God for all of you. Uh, we know that our God is great and greatly to be praised. And again, to all of you, take a minute, if you would, to like and to share. Like and share. If you give me just a little help on the screen, adjusting, if you will, if you can move that up just a tad bit. Our production crew, if you can move that up just a tad bit. I uh, certainly appreciate that so that we got to capture the top part of life. Uh, that would certainly help me out. All right. Thank you so much uh, for that. Again, like and share. Like and share. Thank you. 
Thank you. All right, that's great right there. Amen. All right, so thank you again uh, for being with us on this morning. Take a minute to like and share. Again, let me welcome our virtual listeners. Um, in Washington, Kansas, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, let me thank again uh, all of you. Uh, okay, y'all gonna make some adjustments on that? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, production crew. All right. And so again, thanks to all of you uh, in California, in North Dakota, South Dakota, Florida, Indiana, Ohio, Georgia. Again, to our virtual listeners in uh, our virtual listeners in uh, Kalamazoo, Portage, Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, Pontiac, Flint, Detroit, uh, Midland, uh, Bay City. To all of you, we are thankful again for your continued support. To our virtual listeners. Uh, to our immediate listeners, rather, right here in the city of Saginaw, again, we are thanking God for you. And again, to our immediate audience, if you could, we are thankful to you for being here with us again. Again, I want to remind you that the door is open for you to be a part of our Sunday school format. So we're thankful to God that he's given us his privilege. I'm, I'm, I'm again, honored to have with us again two of uh, New Life's um, finest resident theologians in the person of Deacon Carlos Stewart and uh, our, our, our uh, again, foremost authority, uh, again, uh, Deacon James R. York. Again, we are thankful for the chair of the deacons ministry being with us today. We got all of our deacons uh, here Again, uh, ready to stand in uh, and to help us on this lesson. And we got some teachers here just as well. So to all of you, we're thankful. Again, a couple quick FYIs to be aware of. Again, we, we celebrate again the victory for Brother Schaefer. Uh, Brother Schaefer's brother had surgery this past week. All right, so he has come through that successful. So we're praising God for that. All right, we're praising God for that. Uh, we want to remember Sister Veda Weston. She is now at home. Again, another, again, reason why we praise God. Uh, we're praying for the Stewart family, uh, loss of a loved one. Uh, again, remember the Green family. We said that before. Pray for all of our elders. Pray for all of our family members uh, that are with us uh, again today that's listening near and far. Again, uh, our friends, our brother over in Thailand, Brother... Um, um, Naviv, again, we thank God uh, for him. Um, I know he's trying to work some things out to move his family, um, and we've just got to have uh, some dialogue on how we can help make that happen. Uh, again, he needs to know that he has some Christian brothers here that don't want to just mention his name. We want to support any way we can. That's what the Christian walk is about. It's one thing to mention that he listens, but then it's another when we put some, some paper uh, in the hands of this ministry so that we can send to him so he can do whatever he needs to do to get his family from where he is. Keep praying for the country of um, Ukraine. Um, I'm sure you continue to see the devastation going on there, um, and it's our prayer that, uh, the, that God will guide uh, our president, um, that the moves they make are impactful, um, you know, we're praying that we certainly don't have to go to war. Uh, we don't know what lies in store, um, but we know something has to be done. So the Bible says, if my people who call by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways, he'll heal, hear and heal 
And that's what we want God to do. Pray for the city of Saginaw. Again, pray for the city of Saginaw. And hey, a couple of things I want to make you aware of this upcoming week. Uh, first and foremost, Saturday, rain or shine, uh, we are doing an Easter egg hunt uh, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. I want you to be aware of that, uh, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, again, um, we've got a crew uh, that's going to be here kind of helping out. Um, and if you want to learn more about how you can help, again, you can reach out to, to Sister Janice Redeemer. Um, she uh, says she's going to pay everybody $50. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. That wasn't $50. I'm sorry. All right. All right, maybe that was, okay, well, anyway. Um, but you can see her. Uh, we're working to try to get everything set up, and wherever you can help, we're saying we'd appreciate that. And here's the other thing. You know, we, they're saying right now the weather might be a little cold, so dress for the weather. All right? Dress so the weather so that you are ready uh, regardless of what the weather is. All right? We're going to need your help, so we appreciate that. Uh, during this entire week, we're going to stay Congress. Uh, we'll be having several classes going on from 6 to 8 p.m. starting tomorrow night. You need to register. You know the way that we do it. Um, if you've got some questions, you can reach out to uh, Trinell. He can tell you what you need to do. Of course, we've been doing it long enough now that you ought to know what you need to do. All right. So we want you to be aware of that as we go forward. Uh, again, um, we're looking for your support in both of those arenas. Okay. All right. So, hey, let's dive into this lesson again on tonight. Uh, let's dive into the lesson again on this morning, rather, entitled Moving Forward. I just figured somebody would catch that, but they're still asleep. All right. So, Sis Trust, the lesson is Moving Forward, Improving My Life by Improving My Walk with God. Now, the way it really should read is Improving My Walk with God by Improving My Life. All right. I mean, it can work either way. But the key to it is, if your life is going to improve as you move forward, it has to be with you improving your walk with God. Now, that challenges us because many of us are what we call sedentary. The word sedentary means that we, have, we, have, uh, we are pretty much set a place and we're comfortable there. We've settled. This is it. Don't want to do nothing different. None of the above. Uh, we, want, we just want to be where we are. And I, I want to challenge you on that because the bottom line is you're not done. You're not done with the work that God has for you. And you've got to be prepared where he leads you, you should follow. And that may mean sometimes, uh, Sir Schaefer, sometimes it may mean at the end of the day, God is going to pull you out of your comfort zone. If you're comfortable, I would advise you to strongly start saying, okay, God, I'm too comfortable, all right? What else do you have in store for me, all right? So as we looked at that, we talked about a couple of things. There was a couple of scriptures that we read last week. I want to, again, have our deacons help us with those. Um, um, if you could, uh, Deacon uh, Stewart, read Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Deacon York, if you can read uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Um, those are what we call some of our backdrop scriptures. We're going to dive, get right in this lesson so we can move forward. Go ahead. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance and 
run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 32. No one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right. And I think it's a very, that's a very stabbing in the face scripture because Jesus is pretty much saying if the world is more important to you, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you keep looking back there, that tells them what your priorities are. You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew, I think, 5 and 31 or 6 and 31. Seek ye first, um, uh, 6, and, uh, 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's saying, above everything, the kingdom has to be first. It has to be first. And unfortunately, even for many of us that have been in the church for a long time, it's evident by your actions, by your mannerisms, etc., that the kingdom is still not first place in your life. Giving. I talk about giving so often, and I want people to understand, I'm only talking about giving because Jesus talked about giving. Jesus talked about giving more than he did anything in Scripture. All right, so what does that tell us? Jesus knew that we were going to struggle with money. All right, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I just need to tell you, you can't expect to advance any place if your giving does not match the Bible. It doesn't matter what you do, you'll never advance very far until your giving represents at least the minimum precept of Scripture itself. All right, and I think that's critical for us to understand. So one of the things that I, I gave you a quote on last week. Let me just read it. Um, it says this here. Um, uh, this is Johnny Erickson uh, uh, Tata, and she said this. She said, God is, listen at this, God is more concerned uh, with conforming me to the likeness of his son than leaving me in my comfort zone. You get that? God's primary concern is making me look like Jesus than for me being comfortable where I am. God is more interested in inward qualities than outward circumstances. Things like refining my faith, humbling my heart, cleaning up my thought life, and strengthening my character. And I'd say to everybody that moving forward, that ought to be everybody's prayer, okay? That God will move you out of your place of comfort into a place where you literally feel like you're walking on water. All right, it's a challenge. I get it, it's a challenge, but I still want to say to us that we're not supposed to be comfortable in this life. We're always supposed to be hearing the voice of God as we move forward. So last week, what we said last week and this past week, you know, we started out uh, asking this question um, at the end of the day. Uh, what would it be like if we had total new life? Total Lunite, Brother Bracken, means everybody in church working, serving, praying, praising, sharing, and all the above. What would it look like? And I say that because it's, we've never had it happen before. And so for us to envision it, it would be quite the, quite the vision because we've never experienced it. What would happen if we literally did like the church did in the New Testament in Acts chapter number 2? They came together, they prayed, they broke bread, they hung out. They sold all their possessions and gave the people as they had need, praising God. And the Bible says, and the Lord added daily. 
Okay, that uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 is the template for the New Testament church. And many of us don't even look at that because it means we got to do something different than what we're doing. We've been having certain ministries and meetings for years and no impact. Now think about that. I'm, now I'm not kicking any ministry, but my point is what is your purpose if you're not bringing people to the kingdom or helping the church advance the kingdom of God? I never will forget there was a ministry at the church I used to be a part of, and they had met when I first got there. They had been meeting for years. It was like three or four people, and they had been meeting for years. And so I just happened, I was at work one day, and I just decided I'd go down and sit in on a meeting. I was just curious what they was meeting for. And so they were meeting, and I said, well, you know, how long y'all been doing? For about six years? Just, just the three, four of y'all? Well, yeah. Well, you obviously, you know, that ministry didn't last very long because it was more of a social gathering than it was anything. I, you know, I would submit to us as people in ministry, you may start out the year one way, by, but by the end of the year, the ministry ought to have grown. And the people in the ministry ought to have been transformed over that previous year. Okay? So for us, it's important. What, wouldn't it be, what would it be like if everybody in this ministry if everybody in this ministry gave themselves completely to the cause of the kingdom. This, this city wouldn't know how to handle us. All right? When everybody's on the same page. And so one of, one of the things that we did last, we had Dean Tatum read this thing by Patsy Klein. How many of y'all know Patsy Klein? I know, I know you know her, uh, Sis Redeemer. One of your all-time all favorite uh, uh, artists, singing artists, <laughs> Pastor Klein made this song, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. All right, granted Jesus, if you plead, daily walking close with thee, let it be there, Lord, let it be. Her, her, the song, the purpose of it was she has a desire to draw closer to God. And so I always ask this question, and it reminds me to ask again, how is your walk with God? Nobody can answer that but you, all right? We see some things, but looks can be deceiving. Okay, I will say this, and I could be wrong, says Marshall, but we, see, we ought to be able to see something. You, you ought not be the same, says Ferris, all, I mean, the, the last five years, man, you know, man, that's just tame, that's just the way it is. No, it shouldn't just be that way. Not if you've been walking with God for five years. You can't tell me you still got the same nasty attitude you had five years ago. That tell, that tell me, brother, you ain't walking with God. You walking with somebody else. I mean, come on now, Sis Henry. At the end of the day, if you still get mean, honorary, and cantankerous, and quick to get mad, and frustrated, and, and want to fight people in church, you, that, that's telling me you ain't walking with God. You walk with somebody else. When you've been walking with God for any length of time, and we're going to talk about Enoch at some point in time, because what I need you to see about Enoch, Deacon York, is that Enoch walked with God for a number of years. Three, you know, and, and at the end of the day, his life pleased God. Why? Because every day, the more he communed with God, the more he wanted to be with God. And the more he wanted to be with God, he eliminated anything that stopped him from having that relationship. And so for us, what, what I've discovered, I could be wrong little bit what I could be wrong <laughs> I could be wrong a little bit but one of the things I discovered here 
When we find some things that contradict God, we quit ministry because we don't want to change. Y'all going to get quiet right there. I, I never will forget. I'm, I'm just going back to some experiences I had. I never will forget, you know, that part of, part of serving in ministry means that you got to be giving, attend the school's education. We literally had some people quit because they didn't want to do that. And that tells me a whole lot about how much you value God that you're not willing to sacrifice. We're going to talk, talk about that today because I think that's critical. So one of the first things that we talked about, obviously, when you're moving towards walking with God, uh, you got to deny yourself. Right? That's on page number four, Dean, Dean York. You know, one of the things that we understand is you've got to learn how to deny yourself. All right? So, Dean York, back, back on page three, Luke chapter nine, um, verse 23. If you can read that for us um, so people understand. This is Jesus talking. So, what does he say? Luke, ninth chapter 23, verse. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. But whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Hmm. For what is it a man advantage if he gains the whole world and loses himself? Or mm. be cast away. But whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my word, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come into his own glory and his father and the holy angels. Amen. Now, Jesus makes it very plain there, uh, Dean Stewart. Look, if you don't own up to me, what you, you don't think I'm going to own you when you get to try to get to heaven, do you? If you diss me down here, I'm going to diss you up there. I mean, that's pretty much what he's saying in essence. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the way we improve our lives is simply by surrendering our lives. Or, as this text just said, you got to deny yourself got to take up the cross and you got to follow. I throw this in and we'll get to it at some point. There's a lot of wearers of the cross, but not bearers of the cross. And I think it's critical that you understand this lake that walking with God means you must carry that load. Jesus said, look, I don't, I, you might as well need to understand if they did it unto me, what makes you think you're going to be an exception to the rule? Jesus suffered, you're going to suffer. Jesus had to sacrifice, you're going to have to sacrifice. Why? Because that's required. So, so in your opinion, uh, Deacon Stewart, deny yourself. What, what do you think that means, denying yourself? What do you think that means? Um, denying yourself is um, it's an essential part of um, our Christian walk. You know, um, when I got to deny myself, that means I got to learn how to say no to me. There you go. And exercise self-control. You know, and, and put it another way, you know, it, it, means, it means the willingness to deny yourself uh, possessions or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. That means you got to give up some stuff. And part of our problem is, Reverend, you know, I'm, I only got one life. I'm going to try to live it to the fullest. Okay, I get all of that. But I also believe... I mean, if you look at this, that also means we've got to have a sense of restraint. Um, nothing wrong with you being blessed, all right? Don't misunderstand me. I, I believe that even the things that we have, we ought to be able to show the world this is what faithfulness to God renders. But part of the problem is sometimes when we get possessions, possessions get possession of us, if that makes sense, all right? Can I just give you an, an idea, if you will? Um, you know, I, 
I need a ride and I got three or four kids, but you won't pick me up because you don't want them to mess your little car up. Don't you call a bus? Well, why should I call a bus and you live right next door to me? You got a brand new car. I'm just trying to look at some examples. All right. So for us, the purpose of self-denial is counting everything as loss. Watch, watch, watch this scripture, didn't you? Read, uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 7 and 8, if you will. L listen at what Paul says to the church at Philippi. Watch this. Philippians 3 and 7. But what things were, were gained to me, thus I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted them all things but loss for the excellence of knowledge of Christ, hmm. Jesus, my Lord. For whom have I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them with dumb, that I may win Christ. So Paul says, everything I have, I throw it away, just so I can have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. It's going to be kind of a crazy question, but let's just test you anyway. What if a voice came to you right now saying, I want you to give everything away, and I want you to go over there to China and start witnessing? Would you go? Well, I can tell by nobody responding to that. Brush Schaefer, I can tell you. <laughs> Wait a minute now, Reverend. No, no. No, I'm going to have to go get some medicine because I'm hearing some voices or something. No, uh-uh. But now you said, Brother Bracken, you said you know God's voice. So if that's God's voice, would you do it? I mean, it's a question to think about now because at the end of the day, it could be. Now, it may not be that extreme, Sister Jay. But God will ask you to do some things um, that may challenge you um, in your walk with him. And I think that's the thing that we have to understand. So, you know, denying yourself means overcoming the persistent fleshly demands of the body. Didn't York talk about that? Didn't Stewart talked about it? Also known as the carnal self. All right. Um, I do believe this. I could be wrong, says Haynes, that, you know, a lot of us Christians are still carnal in our walk with God. You can tell the way we react. Let somebody step on your shoes in church. Hmm? Let somebody walk by you and pretend like they're not going to speak. Or they might just, I mean, be preoccupied. Oh, you're acting funny again today, huh? I mean, it's a lot of different things you can look at. It it. it, it it also means, uh, again, bringing, uh, again, uh, yourself into submission to God's word so that you don't give in to sin. All right? That's what denying yourself includes. All right? And I think it's important for us to understand. How are you going to move forward if you can't control yourself? Ever thought about that? You're always out of control. <laughs> Come on now. How you always out of control talking about that you love the Lord, but you can't control yourself? That don't even make sense. You always out of control, and yet one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Now, so when you're not controlling yourself, the flip side of that, Deacon Stewart, is you're choosing to be out of control. Because you can't control your mouth. You don't have to cuss. I mean, for real. And listen, and I don't care how many times you say, but Reverend, I've been doing it all my life. You got the spirit now. You got restraining power. You just choose not to. And for some of us, I realize this is Mar sis Henry at the end of the day, sis Bell, sis Redeemer. For some of us, I mean, cussing is just part of our language. We feel odd when we're not cussing. 
I mean, for real. Y'all, Sis Brown, y'all know what I'm talking about, Sis Trust. I, I mean, it's, it's like, okay, something wrong. I ain't said a cuss word today. Let me find something to cuss about. I mean, think about that, Sis Blanche Williams. I mean, that's for real. Some people, I mean, cussing just roll off their lips like it ain't nothing new. Every other word is a cuss word. And you never see them blink. You never say, oh, man, my bad. Because what I discovered is this, Dean York, when they realize they said, they may say a cuss, oh, S-H-I, oh, oh, my bad. I mean, they cuss telling you my bad that they cuss. That makes sense? And, and so self-denial for the Christian means renouncing oneself as the center of existence. What it means is, it's not about you. It's all about him. That's what this whole thing is about. Come on, Deacon York, chime in. You got some thoughts as it relates to that? Uh, Pastor, I believe that sometimes we talk about denying ourselves, that we like to deny ourselves when it comes to the big thing. Yes, sir. Uh, things like one and sign label that uh, this might cause cancer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we can deny that, but what about things of jealousy and selfishness? Oh, yes. So we have to look at that, too. Yes, sir. Go ahead, go ahead Deacon uh, Stewart. I, um, I think that sometimes we got to be careful when um, not denying ourselves, because sometimes we be in, in denial. That's why we can't deny ourselves, because... Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing wrong with me. There you I, go. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't cussing. Only, like you said, when somebody cussed, and they, instead of my bow, excuse my French. That wasn't French. No, that wasn't French. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That wasn't French right there. Wee oui, wee, oui, zon toléon. You know, country buffet. No, that's French right there. No, that wasn't French right there. Mm -mm. What it means is you got to kill yourself. All right, you have to deny, you have to crucify the flesh daily. And that means, and it's, and, it's, and it's tough, but you have the power to do it. I like the word that God has given us because I tell people, for everything that we try to deal with, God has made this thing so easy when you fall in line with his word. Man, I can't, I can't stop doing that. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop playing around. I can't stop gambling. Well, what you're telling God is Philippians 4.13 is a lie. Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can. So in the believer's vocabulary, the word I can't shouldn't even exist. When he has given you power over scorpions and serpents and everything else, and you have the backing of heaven, you got angelic beings waiting to minister to you. So when you start saying, yeah, I, I can't get over that, I can't get over, okay, then you're telling God, okay, this is as far as we go. And I think the thing we have to understand is God has so much more in store for you, if only you be willing. There's a scripture on page number five of the text, uh, Deacon Stewart, uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 5, and it tells us some things that we ought to be doing. Deacon York, I want you to just kind of chime in on your thoughts about it as he reads that for us. Go ahead. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Hmm. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ mm -hmm. in God. Mm -hmm. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, yourself, your mm -hmm. members mm -hmm. which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, 
inordinate inordinate affection, Mm -hmm. evil um, conspicuousness, and covertness with um, idolatry. Mm. Dino, what do you think about that? Um, You're talking about denying yourself and talking about sometimes definitely we have to deny ourselves on a daily basis. Yes, sir. And uh, sometimes with me, sometimes it's moment by moment. <laughs> yes, sir. You have to design yourself. Yes, sir. You know, when you look at that text, there's three things that, that Paul draws out of those things. And I want to just make sure you see them. Uh, in, in verse number one, he says, if you be risen with Christ, since you are risen with Christ, the first thing he asks us to do is seek those things which are above. Mm. Okay. First thing to seek those things which are above. Uh, uh, which, where Christ sitteth. So in that place, we know that's a place of holiness, of righteousness, of pureness, of truth. But then he says in verse number two, he says, set your affection. Okay? Change your tastes. Change your liking. Change your desires. Make them focus on things above, not on things on the earth. Everything here, we didn't been there and done that. All right? If we, if we were okay with cars, they wouldn't keep creating new cars. Right? I, I mean, everybody didn't change clothes at least 10 times in your lifetime. You didn't change your hairstyle a couple times. Some of us changed it because we ain't got much hair up there anyway. But, but nonetheless, we changed them. Right? You know, he says, seek those things which are above. He says, set your affection on things above. Did you see that? And then he tells us in verse number five, he says to mortify, therefore your members kill, destroy, all right? So we've got some things that we have to continuously work on if our lives are going to please God. That's what it boils down to. It's a daily walk. It's a daily challenge. And in order for you to get better at this, you know, You've got to focus on this every day. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you looked at yourself and said, man, I got a anger problem. I need to do something with that. When was the last time you did that? Man, I be robbing God every Sunday. I got to do something about that. Man, I don't pray enough. I got to do something about that. Man, I ain't witnessed to nobody since I've been saved. I need to start witnessing. That's when you see transformation. That's Sister Jones, what God is telling us. So from the moment of our birth uh, into Jesus Christ, self-denial, Dean York said it several times, becomes a daily exercise for the rest of our life on this earth. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a daily something I do every day. And for us, this, this is what Peter said. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 1. He said this. He says, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, he says, arm yourselves likewise. He says, do the same thing with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If you learn how to overcome the flesh, then you cease from sinning. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. That makes sense? He said, you got to learn how to deal with that thing. You got to keep it in check. All right? Now, I said this last week, and I want to make sure people understand. I wasn't picking on nobody. You know, all of us have become a glutton for something. Right? Some of us, we eat potato chips all day long. We can just go through two or three bags like it ain't no problem. 
We can drink three or four sodas or pops or whatever you want to call it. You know, you got a whole cheesecake. It ain't a whole cheesecake when you finish. We can be gluttons at times, right? And so, you know, and, and we try to justify that. Oh, man, it was just so good I couldn't stop. You could have stopped if you wanted to. The bottom line is you've got to learn how to withhold and abstain and learn how to cut some stuff off. Okay. Well, you know, man, I, you know, usually I make two cakes, man, because I usually eat one myself. How you going to end one setting? Come on now. How you going to sit down to the table and eat a whole cake by yourself? All right? And so when you look at those things, there, there again... You know, you've got to learn how to restrain yourself. Now, the Holy Ghost is also called the restrainer. Because when you ask for help, he will help you. All right? Um, you know, our biggest struggle is between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so for us, our struggle is learning how to, well, let me, let me put it this way and see if you can get it, Brother Dennis. Um, for some of us, for some of us, we have been professional sinners since we were born. Matter of fact, let me just put this very directly and say all of us. That was our main occupation. So on your resume, the first thing that should be there is professional sinner. All right. Now, see, like two of y'all said amen right there. Rest of y'all said, Reverend, I ain't putting that on mine. Whether you want to or not, it's on that. It's on there, Brother Schaefer. And the bottom line is, think about this, Brother Dennis. You know, because that's been your life, that's all you know. All right? So when Jesus enters your life, you now go from being a professional sinner to now a child of the living or the most high God. Well, I will not, I will not um, say that it's not difficult to make the transfer when you've been doing something for so long. Okay, when you've been drinking for so long, it's just become a part of who you are. I won't say that that's not difficult, but the Bible says I can do all things through Christ. Okay, now what has to happen is I, I need to love Christ enough that I'm willing to surrender the very things that defined me, that gave me strength, that gave me power in my opinion. I need to deny those and need to start living for him. So if you're going to move forward to improve your life, you got to be willing to surrender. Surrender means I give up. It means I can no longer do this. Now, some people surrender stuff when they find out that, okay, if you smoke one more cigarette, you're going to die. Some people quit instantly. Right? All right. Why did it take having a doctor to tell you that? All right? You know, you look at those things. So for us, we know that there is a struggle. Let, let me see if I can help with this. Um, in Romans chapter 7, Deacon York, in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, I want you to see that Paul acknowledges the internal struggle that we deal with. Watch this text. Go ahead. Romans 7, 14. But we know that the law is, the law is spiritual, but I am colonel, understand. Mm. But what, which I do allow not, but what I would that I do not. But what I hate that I do, mm. if when I do, that which I would not. I consent unto the law that is good. Mm -mm. Now then, there's no more that I do it. Watch this right no. here. But sin is dwelleth in me. Mm. For I know that it is in me, 
this is in my flesh, dwelleth not good things, mm. for it is the will and the presence with me. But now to perform that which is good, I find not. Stop right there. Let's put the kickstand down right there. Did y'all see that? He said, look, I know that there's good out there, but I just don't know how to do it. He says, I keep doing the stuff that I ain't supposed to be doing. Did y'all see that in the text? He, he acknowledges that he acknowledges that there is an internal struggle. And so let me put it very plainly. One day you can be shouting, speaking in tongues and levitating and jumping all over the pews. And the next day you can be cussing and in jail someplace. That's the nature of the Christian life. You can be in church. You can be a Sunday school teacher. You can sing and rock the house. And the next day the police could be arresting you because you didn't went up to the school and act crazy because somebody touched your child. All right, keep, keep reading, Dean York. Go ahead, keep reading. Amen. For the good that I will, I do not, but the evil which I will not do. Mm. Now, if I do that, I will not, if it is so more that I will do it. But sin that dwelleth in me, I find in the law that when I will do good, evil is always present mm -hmm. with me. For I delight in the law of God. After Inward man, mm -hmm. but I see another law in my member, warning against the law of my mind, mm. and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in, is in my member. Watch this. Keep going. Watch what he says. Or whether right the man verse. that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? Mm. I thank God through Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. our Lord. So then with my mind, myself. Serve the law of God with the flesh, the law of sin. Mm. This, and he says, every time I desire to do what's right, Dean Stewart, evil is always present. Okay? It, it doesn't matter. You have good intentions. They can change in a blink of a dime or a blink of an eye, rather. And so that's the struggle. Even in the church. You came to church, you want to get your praise on, but you ain't trying to get your praise on. You're trying to look at that lady with that shortcut dress on. <laughs> it can happen. Uh, yeah, it can happen. And, and so the bottom line is, that's why you got to keep your mind focused. All right? Every time I desire to do what's right, evil is always present. It doesn't matter how. Listen, David is a prime example. David, a man after God's own heart. And what does he do one day when he should have been out war as the general of the army? He was hanging around the palace. Goes out because he couldn't sleep. And the way Jerusalem is, or the city of David, is it's on hills. So he's sitting on the top of the hill looking down, and he looks over and becomes an instant peeping time. Because what does he do? He sees Bathsheba bathing. All right? Now watch what he does. Bro, Bracken. He over there, he's looking, he said, oh, wait a minute. And the Bible says he instantly began to lust. All right? Now, here David is. He's already got tons of wives. All right? And what does that say about us? Doesn't matter how much we got, we're never satisfied. Always want something different. So watch this, Sister Blanche. What he does is he, he now, and now she's a visual image in his mind. That's the problem with pornography. Once you sample it, 
you have the visual image in your mind and you don't forget it and you keep rewinding it and it starts to develop root in your mind. So now you've got this fixation on pornography. So what does he do? Uh, Ding Stewart, what he does is he sends some of his boys to go find out who that lady is. Go find out who she is. Now, what should have happened, says Marshall, says Tatum, what should have happened is when they came back and said, that's Bathsheba, comma, the wife of, that didn't matter to David. Because now, Brother Dennis, what David is doing is he's now about to exercise his power to get something that did not belong to him. He sends for her. Put on some Barry White. Put some filet mignons out there. All right, put on some uh, 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 Pierre Cardine cologne and wines and dines her, and then he, he lays with her. The Bible says that he sent her back home. He thought that he was done. But she comes back later and says, I'm with child. So what does David do? David, instead of admitting his indiscretion, he tries to cover it. Since for a husband, husband wouldn't go home out of commitment to David and God, so he kills the husband. See, in his mind, he thinks, well, you know what? I know how I'm going to get around this. I'm going to kill him, and when he get dead, as she finishes mourning for him, I'm going to marry her, and when I marry her, then people will think the baby is ours, which he really was, but he just did it the wrong way. So God had to expose him, and that's what God does to us at times. We cannot advance unless we're willing to give up some of those things, all right? So, so here's another one, and I'll put this out there for Deacon Stewart to read. Only by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit can we learn how to deny ourselves. So Titus 2 and 11, what does that say, Deacon Stewart? Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath, has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and, wor and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. Mm. Yor, what, do, what do you think that means? That it says, teaching us for the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to unmen. And what is it doing? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. What do you think that means? Pastor, I think that it means that when we learn God's word, word, that we must be obedient to God's word. Mm -hmm. When God is the center of our life and we have a relationship with him, I think denying ourselves won't be a problem. There you go. Thoughts? Digging Stewart? I mean, it's, I'm also saying, you know, like um, when they said we should live soberly and righteously, that means um, every day shouldn't just almost try to be like, like a little party to you. Right. You know, you got to take accountability for something. I mean, don't drink to get drunk. <laughs> uh, it, just, just be righteous. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the things that I think that, that Titus is saying to us is that the more we deny these things, the closer we can draw to God. I think that's critical to understand. The only way you're going to grow, you got to give up something to grow. Um, if you think about, and I look at, uh, Sister Karen Thomas, I look at Usain Bolt. And it's amazing to me, the world's fastest human, that for, I think, four Olympics, 
he was able to maintain a running level that made him superior to anybody. You need to understand that didn't just happen overnight. That involves some sacrifice. I think about this young lady from Flint right now, Clarissa Shields. You know, she is a boxing beast, if you will. But that doesn't happen with her just sitting around the house. She's in the ring, uh, she's in the ring, in the gym, every day boxing, hours and hours on a time, lifting weights, running, jogging, sweating, all those things, but that makes her number one. She's got to put forth some effort. So for us, worldly lust is not just going to leave. You never wake up one day and lust got his suitcase packed saying, see you later, I'm gone. If anything, lust going to move in. He's going to bring anger. He's going to bring jealousy. He's going to bring hatred. He's going to bring bitterness. He got all his cousins. They all want to live with us. All right? They all want to live with us. And some of them just pay partial rent. They only stay there like half the year. Some stay like for a day because they only need it for a day. But at some point, you've got to declare, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So I think for us, a follower of Jesus Christ must be prepared to die if death is where the path of discipleship leads us. Are you willing to die for the cause of the God? Because Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. Uh, when he, yeah, I understand the meaning of self-denial. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Literally, you've got to be rid of yourself. And part of us, at the end of the day, we're so wrapped up in our identity, who we have become, that we don't want to give that up because being a Christian means you've got to be loving. You can't be, <laughs> I mean, you can't be hating on people. Being a, listen, some people struggle with loving as Christians. All right? And that's why people can't stand Christians because we say one thing but our actions I mean have you ever seen two Christians in church cut each other off as they talking I mean I mean almost to the point brother Simon, where they about to fight over something silly and you call yourself a Christian come on now and at some point we got to say well you know I'm just a Christian in progress stop using that as an excuse you either one or you aren't one which means there are some things you just have to ultimately do. Watch this verse here. Let me see if I can help you. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. All right? And this is what it says. It says, uh, for, the, for I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Now watch verse 20. Watch what he said. I'm crucified with Christ. So when Christ was crucified, I was crucified. When Christ died, I died. When Christ rose, I rose. Watch what this verse says. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith uh, of the Son of God, who loved me and then gave himself for me. So I always ask this question, Dean York. If a person dies from cancer, what happens to the cancer when they die? Does the cancer continue to live or does it die? It dies. So when I die to sin, what happens to the power of sin? It dies. 
So then why are we keep saying, man, I just can't help but sin? No, sin doesn't have power over you anymore. The reason why you're doing it now is because you still like it. I mean, says Bell, that's for real. The reason why you the reason why you still shacking up is because you still like it. Okay, so y'all got real quiet right there. All right, you still like it. You like the residuals of it. The blood is supposed to cleanse you. All right. The blood's supposed to cleanse you, says she. And so for us, we've got to understand there are some ways we can deny ourselves. The first one, Dean York, number one there, is fasting. All right? And, and, and understand for us. Go ahead and read that, Dean York, where it says fasting. Fasting is one of the disciplines of self-denial that Jesus practiced himself. All right, so what does fasting actually mean? Fasting is where you make a conscious choice to deny something that you actually like for the cause of gaining, again, spiritual knowledge, spiritual growth, and spiritual connectedness with God. So what does that mean? That means you got to give some things up. All right? Now, I'm not talking about things that, you know, you don't normally do anyway, says Will Brand. I'm talking about stuff that you like doing a whole lot. All right? I never will forget, I called myself, I, I mean, when I first went to college, and I had prayed and told the Lord, I said, Lord, I hope you send me somebody that's saved. Well, my roommate was saved. Uh, Paul Richmond was his name. <clears throat> Paul Richmond was already advanced in his spiritual walk. So Paul was fasting. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to start fasting. All right, because I want to grow closer to God and all that stuff there. So I started trying it. So Paul said, okay, well, we're starting fasting right now at, at 730 in the morning. I said, okay, I'm going I'm to start with you. Well, you know, what I did was Paul took off, went to class. I didn't have class till 930. So two of my friends, Ricky and Eddie, lived in the next door. They came and knocked, hey, man, come on, let's go to breakfast. All right, yeah, let's go. And so, Brother Brackett, I'm going with them, and we sitting in there, and we eating, on some, uh, we eating some bacon and stuff. And I got rid of the, second, the, second, the first piece of bacon, I just kind of scarfed that down. It just went down real fast. By the time I got to the second one and started crying, oh, man, I'm supposed to be fasting. I forgot just that fast because I wasn't being sober and I wasn't being alert. So I said, okay, I'm not, I'm a, I, I blew it that time. Well, what I'm going to do is uh, tomorrow I'm going to fast all day tomorrow. So I got up the next morning. Um, I was alert. I got up, started fasting. I made it until after practice. And normally when we leave practice, we go right to the cafeteria. So I'm sitting in the cafeteria, and I'm eating some chicken, and I realized, man, I was supposed to be fasting again. <laughs> All right? And so I said, okay, God, I need you to help me be sober, alert. So, you know, I, I didn't try fasting again for a while. I tried. When I finally tried, I said, okay, this time I'll make sure I'm alert. So I, was go I went in the, in the cafeteria with them, but the difference was I said, nope, I'm not eating none today. Because I'm fasting. I had to train myself to be alert to those things that I did daily that sometimes caused me to stumble. Well, fasting means you got to give some things up and you've got to be alert that you're doing it so that you can gain what you're seeking. Some people fast for spiritual knowledge. Some people fast for God to answer something that's bothering them. Some people fast because they want to draw closer to God. Whatever you do, fasting says, I'm turning this over 
so that I can get this. Now, fasting is not always about ribs and scrimps. Sometimes fasting could be getting off Facebook. Sometimes it could be turning off the TV. Sometimes it could be, okay, I'm not going to hang around certain people for a period of time. Fasting is designed to remove things that give you more pleasure than other things in your life. So practice self-denial. What's the next one there, Deacon Stewart? I know some people going to, you know, lose their hearing on this. I'm going to go ahead and say that one. Giving to the poor and needy is a form of self-denial that Jesus encouraged. Mm. Giving is a form of self-denial because what it says is, I value this, but I want you to have it instead of me. So all of us got clothes we don't wear, won't be wearing, won't ever wear. And we don't want other people to wear them, so we'd rather for them to sit in there and literally rot on the, um, on the coat racks. You know you're not going to fit them clothes. That's about five sizes. Okay, and some clothes sit in our closet so long that the rack makes an embedded, embedded embedment on them that you can't even get out. No matter if you try to iron it out or nothing. And sometimes it'd be in the center so long, there'd be some dust right there with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all? Y'all ever been there before? I'm just talking. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. And you can't get that stuff out of there, even though you see it to the cleaners. All right? And so the bottom line is giving to the poor uh, is a form of self-denial. Remember the scripture where Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me not? I was naked and you did not clothe me? I was in prison and you did not visit? And Jesus said, they said, Jesus, when was you like this? He said, when you've done it to them, you've done it to me. Now, I'm not telling you take your money and give it to some guy that you know hanging out at the liquor store because you know he's going to go in there and buy some liquor. That's not what I'm saying. All right? Because people will try that game all the time. Well, you know, can you help me? I mean, I just want to get a say. Okay, get in the car. Well, no, that's all right. Okay. So we know how the game is playing. But what I'm saying is you know there are people less fortunate than you. You got three closets full of clothes. And even if you could wear all of them, you probably won't. But could you not be a blessing to other people? All right. Giving. All right. Here's another. Go ahead, Ding, Ding York. What's the other one there? Watching in prayer is another way of denying yourself and your service to God, mm. as Jesus demonstrated. So watching in prayer means to be spiritually alert, to be spiritually connected with God in such a way that I'm seeing things not from human eyes, but from spiritual lenses. A lot of stuff that happens in our world right now, you know, we look at the person, but you need to be looking, this is a spiritual matter, okay? Everything that happens here is spiritual. So for us, again, it's about looking beyond what we see. You gotta see the bigger picture. What's number four? Number four is, Likewise, living modestly rather than indulging in excessive luxury is an, is an area in which believers can exercise self-denial. All right. So what does that mean? You know, living in such a way. Now, don't misunderstand that what, the, what the outline is saying. I think at the end of the day, we ought to live in such a way that people can see the goodness of God and what it does in our lives. There's nothing wrong with driving a good car. 
all right? There's nothing wrong with living in a nice house. But when those things become more important than serving God, that's when you've lost focus of the reason why God blessed you with them anyway. All right? That's what it boils down to. You know, down through the years, I can certainly say God has blessed me down through the years. Um, but I always tell people, I say, you know, I thank God for everything that God has done. But I also know that I have what I have because I've been faithful to God. Now, I need you to understand, just because you're faithful to God, it doesn't mean you're going to drive a Lamborghini. All right? It doesn't mean you're going to live in a 20-room mansion. But whatever God blessed me with, I've learned to be thankful for whatever, whether it's a two-bedroom shack or whether it's a 20-room mansion, whatever it is, I've learned to thank God because even though I'm living there, God has still been good to me. And that's the thing we have to understand. Now, you know, as a church, we have to also see this, that this is a nice church. D uh, uh, Demetrius say this all the time. This is a nice church. He say that every time he come in this church, it's a nice church. And I'm inclined to agree with him, but this is, not, this is not all that God has for us. As we grow and as we expand, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, a bigger sanctuary. Okay? You know, God has more in store, but we'll never get there unless we learn to appreciate what we currently have. All right? You know, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, uh, our, our, I'm going to call them our chief management in the person of trust Schaefer and Schaefer, our, our, our building management come in, and I can't tell you how many times they, when they clean the building, especially in the church, especially after service, it'd be like you just being went to the movies. I mean, I mean seriously, didn't you? I mean, it's, 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 it's gum wrappers and gum and candy wrappers and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, this ain't the movies, but people be sitting there eating like they're at the movies in the sanctuary. Okay, y'all done got quiet, now. Nah. All right? And throw stuff on the floor. I mean, crackers and stuff. And ah, Wait a minute, now, now you know that baby shouldn't have had that juice in here. You know them babies don't know how to put that juice in their mouth. It's all over the stuff. But there again, until we learn to appreciate what we have, God won't give us more than what we already have. He won't. It doesn't matter what we try to do, he won't let that happen until we learn to appreciate what we currently have. One more there, Dean York. That last one, Dr. Bauman, we'll call it quits. Number five there. Yeah. Perhaps the most significant way we practice that. Watch this now. Is in how we love and esteem our brothers uh -oh. and sisters in Christ. Uh-oh. Go ahead, keep reading, Dean. Accepted now is based on the Christian fellowship mm. and service with the church. Mm -mm. Watch this now. Then let's go back to that, if you will. He said, perhaps the most significant, the most important way we can practice self denial is in how we love and esteem our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about a real love, as a songwriter used to say. Do you really love each other? And love is an action word. All right? Love is patient. It's kind. It does not keep records of wrongs. Y'all got quiet there. All right? Uh, you know, you can't say you love and you keep bringing up stuff I did 
Huh? Every time we get in a debate, the first thing you do is try to hit me over the head with something I did five years. Come on now. I, you know, I, I don't want to work with him because three or four years ago when I worked with him, you know, he tried to take all the credit for everything. Come on now. You, see, you're thinking about this wrong automatically. All right? So love for, remember now, can, can we just close on this because I know our time is up. Can, uh, Ding, your, uh, Ding Roscoe, can you bring up Acts chapter 2, no, verse number 42? And I want to read that again because I want to show you what love actually looks like. I want you to see this. In Acts chapter number 2, it says, and they continued steadfastly. They were persistent. Okay, it was something they did in what? The apostles' doctrine or teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. They did this together. 3,120 people did this daily. All right, watch this. Keep going. Verse 43, watch this. He says this. He says, and fear came on every soul. Everybody that saw them said, wait a minute, that's something different. These people got power. They operating differently. We need to be careful. Watch this. He says, and many, and many wonder signs were done by the apostles. Verse 40, uh, 44 says, and they all believe, and all that believe were together and had all things in common. One no clicks. Huh? Wasn't no getting out to your car because you didn't park next to your friend and y'all can't, y'all can't even get in the car. Y'all got to talk about what she had on in church. Hmm? Now here it is, verse 45, Brother Brooks, watch this. It said, and they sold their possessions and goods. Everybody sold everything. And watch this now. This is why some of y'all are going to have a problem. It said, and they gave them to all men. And some of y'all are going to have a problem with that because y'all ain't, I ain't giving up nothing. If he going to get it, I, I keep it. Is that not right? Is that not the way sometimes we act? That I throw it in the trash before I give it to them. Now, as funny as this is, this is really the mindset of a lot of immature believers in the church. Now, it'll sit right here. I ain't giving it to nobody. I don't care if they do need it. You can't use it no more. You know how much I paid for this and you want me just to give it to them? Well, first of all, who gave you the money to pay for it? Because the Bible says, I could be wrong, but the Bible says it is him that gives you power to get wealth. God gave you the ability to work for that thing. Watch this. They sold everything and prior to every man as they had need. Watch this. Verse 46 says this. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Nobody was angry. Nobody was mad. Nobody felt like they were slighted because whatever their needs were, they were being met. They, they broke bread. They ate together with singleness and gladness of heart. It wasn't no competition. It wasn't no contest. And verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily. You know why? Because the people that were added saw genuine love in the church. What would happen if they saw that in this church? Genuine love. Not so quick to get offended or to be snappy, but genuine love. And if we're going to move forward, if we're going to improve our lives with God, if we're going to improve our lives, rather, by improving our life with God, we've got to learn, we've got to be examples of agape love. Unconditional. 
No strings attached. No remember what I did five years ago. We never did got that straight. Let me give you a piece of my mind before we get it together. Because if you're still harboring it, that means you never gave it to God in the first place. All right. Let's go. So, uh, general thoughts. Deacon York, Deacon, Deacon Stewart. Uh, Pastor, we're talking about the now that we all know that God always wants to do a new thing in our life. Yes, sir. But we cannot do a new thing if we refuse to not get rid of the old. Mm. So we must be able to clean out our closet. Amen. Yes, sir. Literally clean out the closet. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Dean Stewart. And in, in denying ourselves, we got to um, also know that, um, that God, God, God needs us to not to just not, I mean, in denying ourselves, not to be in denial, not to just walk through life with our heads in the clouds and our looking down that nose at people. You know, denying yourself means to get out your own way. Denying yourself means that sometimes you got to deal with people you don't want to deal with. You know, because get out your own way. Deal with them because God needs you to deal with them. And until you learn to check yourself, until you learn to hem your own self up, you won't ever be able to help somebody else. The phrase is like this, sweep around your own front door before you start trying to sweep around mine. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. All right? All right, hey, take a break. We've got about 24 minutes and some change. We're going to come back, get ready for worship. Again, let me thank our resident theologians again on today, Deacon Stewart and Deacon James R. York. For being with us today again, thank our listening audience that's here with us on today. Hey, take a break. We'll be back in about 24 minutes and some change. God bless you. That is our prayer.